0: Okay, so I got a NordicTrack treadmill mainly because they've been leading the game for years and I can fold it up when I'm not using it. Hey, it's Sissany. I just added an iFit membership and it's been an absolute game changer. The iFit workouts are built by expert trainers and are filmed in the most gorgeous locations around the world and their workouts are built as series. After having all my three kids, and yes, I'm done, I'm finally feeling like myself again and being fit is a huge component to my mind being right. I love that I can just get my workout in at home. Do yourself a favor and check it out at Nordic trackcom dot com This is my mayor, the I'm back.
1: While these schmoes Happily ride her chest
0: Please, I'm begging you
1: She blames my slims And satanic pizza set. Q
0: is a patriot
1: What the fuck Marjorie Taylor Greene This is Michael Cohen And you're listening to the Mea Culpa Week in Review House Democrats voted today to remove Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from her two House committees after Republican leaders refused to do so on their own. Greene has become a noxious symbol of rising extremism among the GOP's pro-Trump base. In recent weeks, her social media accounts have come under intense scrutiny for endorsing posts that called for the execution of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and suggesting in a series of Facebook videos that mass shootings were false flag events staged by gun control advocates.
0: You see, here's the real situation. I decided to run for Congress because I wanted to help our country. I want Americans to have our American dream. I want to protect our freedoms. This is what I ran for Congress on. I never once said during my entire campaign... QAnon. I never once said any of the things that I am being accused of today. During my campaign, I never said any of these things. Since I have been elected for Congress, these were words of the past, and these things do not represent me. They do not represent my district, and they do not represent my values. Ah, you cursed rat. Look what you've done. I'm melting. Melting.
1: This comes at the same time that Trump loyalists wish to strip Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, the number three Republican, of her House leadership post as payback for her own vote to impeach Donald Trump. In recent weeks, Cheney has been condemned by a host of MAGA toadies goaded on by Don Jr., Members of the ultra-conservative Freedom Caucus, including the chairman, Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona, as well as Representatives Jim Jordan of Ohio and Matt Goetz of Florida, are circulating a petition calling on Ms. Cheney to step down from her role as chairwoman of the House Republican Conference, arguing that her vote to impeach Mr. Trump had brought the conference into disrepute and produced discord. Tonight, the Republicans decided to keep Liz Cheney. Tomorrow, the Democrats will boot Marjorie Taylor Greene from her committees. I think both decisions reinforce the power of Washington. And it only encourages me to try to go out in America and get people focused on the changes we need to make in both parties so that the voters are respected. What we are witnessing is a once in a generation realignment of the Republican Party that is quickly devolving into a bitter intraparty civil war, pitting an emboldened collection of far-right conservatives and MAGA supporters against the more traditionalist wing of the party, as defined by Mitch McConnell. In recent days, he's not only defended Liz Cheney, but came out vociferously against Marjorie Taylor Greene, referring to her Monday as a cancer on the Republican Party.
0: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell just unleashed a scathing attack against Republican Congresswoman QAnon supporter Marjorie Taylor Greene. He pointed directly at her without actually calling her by name. It's pretty clear, though, who he's talking about. In a statement released by his office, McConnell said, and I quote, loony lies and conspiracy theories are cancer for the Republican Party and our country. Somebody who suggested that perhaps no airplane hit the Pentagon on 9-11, that horrifying school shootings were pre-staged, and that the Clintons crashed JFK Jr.'s airplane is not living in reality.
1: At the heart of everything, though, is Donald Trump.
0: The debate over Liz
1: Cheney's leadership post and the drama around Marjorie Taylor Greene reflects the deep fissures present in the Republican Party over Trump, who has demanded total loyalty from his party and, until very recently, received it across the board. These recent skirmishes are small proxy battles in advance of next week's Senate impeachment trial. Republicans are scrambling to determine the political consequences of actually impeaching Donald Trump, and whether they would pay a steeper political price for breaking with the president or failing to do so.
0: Begin laser ignition sequence.
1: Begin laser ignition! At least congressional aides are speaking up against Trump's MAGA violence. Some 370 Democratic aides in Congress have banded together to issue a rare public statement urging senators to convict Donald Trump for his part in the attack on their place of work last month. In the letter, which was shared with the New York Times, the aides write, As congressional employees, we don't have a vote on whether to convict Donald Trump for his role in inciting the violent attack at the Capitol, but our senators do. And for our sake and the sake of the country, we ask that they vote to convict the former president and bar him from ever holding office again. The heroes of our democracy. They are the young congressional aides credited with protecting the ballot boxes containing the official electoral college votes during the siege of the Capitol. The quick-thinking staffers can be seen carrying the boxes out of harm's way. If our capable floor staff hadn't grabbed them, they would have been burned by the mob. It's highly unusual for aides to express their own opinions publicly, but they spoke up as they say they feel that they were personally placed in harm's way. The letter describes how some had to hide under desks or barricade themselves in offices as the pro-Trump riots took place. They directly blamed Trump and his months-long effort to reject votes lawfully cast by the American
0: people. And then we heard pounding on the door of the house. And we knew that we had to evacuate. Uh, We had the gas masks on. We were scrambling to get to safety, um, hiding behind the balcony uh, railing. And as I left the room, I looked back and saw the staff trying to put a barrier, a couch and a number of tables in front of the door. But shortly after that, shots were fired and the house floor was breached.
1: According to Reuters, The Justice Department is considering whether to charge members of far-right extremist groups like the Proud Boys involved in the deadly January 6th storming of the Capitol under the famed RICO statute. Fans of The Sopranos and nearly every modern mob saga undoubtedly are familiar with the acronym, which stands for Racketeering Influenced Corrupt Organizations. It struck fear into wise guys everywhere.
0: Clarity speaking. Now, yeah, this is Rico speaking. Rico!
1: The law got its nickname from the main character, Rico Bandello, in the 1930 Hollywood film, Little Caesar. Rico allowed prosecutors to connect the different elements of a criminal enterprise together to tell the story behind the scenes. RICO
0: wasn't about convicting a single defendant. The purpose was to cripple the whole organization.
1: The 1970 statute provides for massive criminal penalties, including up to 20 years in prison and seizure of assets obtained illegally through a criminal enterprise. The RICO law was crafted to help prosecutors convict top mafia leaders who ordered others to commit crimes. In this case... It's a way to charge that the riots, rather than being spontaneous spasms of violence, was instead a planned conspiracy led by specific individuals who may not have even participated, but are nonetheless responsible.
0: Um, authorities in Washington, D.C. said that on Sunday they'd arrested a man in connection with the stabbing of four people on Saturday night as supporters and opponents of
1: President Trump clashed blocks from the White House. In addition, RICO allows you to prosecute the entire organization as a whole if the government can prove that the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers are a criminal organization, meaning that members of the enterprise engaged in a pattern of two or more related crimes beyond the Capitol riots. Ironically, it was used to top effect by Rudy Giuliani who served as the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and pretty much wiped out the original five families with Rico as his main weapon. The
0: bullets that ended Big Paul Castellanos life last night may very well have been a payoff for getting into such trouble with the feds. As the reputed head of the crime commission and the godfather of the Gambino family, his appearance in court every day and the preoccupation with his defense were bad for business. Experts say his associates may very well have decided Big Paul was more trouble than he was worth.
1: Prosecutors today will be looking to determine if these groups engaged in similar actions at other events, such as the violent 2017 Unite the Right.
0: This is what happened when the talking stopped, when the far-right Proud Boys squared off against Antifa and other counter-protesters.
1: Part of the anger and recrimination around January 6th stems from the largely hands-off policy applied to these groups as they ransacked the Capitol. There was a sense of lawlessness as if the rioters had free reign. Last June, though, Black Lives Matter protests faced swarms of riot police armed with tear gas and rubber bullets for what was largely
0: peaceful protests. We're gonna begin at the White House, where President Trump spoke out for the first time from the Rose Garden, vowing to send U.S. troops into the streets of American cities if local authorities don't control the protests. Those remarks came just moments after the administration asked police to clear
1: peaceful protesters from the park across the White House so the president could stage a photo op. The double standard here speaks volumes, but it is also part of a larger, more systemic problem of how intertwined these right-wing groups are into law enforcement in the military. They are seen as fellow travelers and accorded a certain distance and respect. At the same time... Black Lives Matter was vilified as a group of marauding thugs and anarchists by Donald Trump. Unfortunately, that message persisted, as did the rise of armed white militia groups that began patrolling cities rolled up with Black Lives Matter protests. It was a frightening and menacing sight, these men in full tactical gear who would come out to supposedly protect the neighborhood.
0: On the night of August 25th, Protesters and groups of
1: armed men who said they were there to protect businesses were gathered in Kenosha. Among the armed men was 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. We don't have non-lethal. But it took a turn for the horrific when 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse shot two protesters dead in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with a military-style AR-16. He said he acted in self-defense and turned himself in the next day. Charged with five felonies, including first-degree intentional homicide, the judge in the case ordered Rittenhouse to pay a $2 million bail. Donald Trump quickly made him a right-wing martyr, and his bail was paid off in a matter of weeks by various deep-pocketed conservative donors.
0: New tonight, a 17-year-old faces felony homicide charges for shooting three people during Tuesday night's protest in Kenosha.
1: And charging documents paint a new picture of the moment's that led up to the gunfire that killed two people and even injured a third. He was invited to speak at the Republican National Convention and has since become an extreme right-wing cause celebrity.
0: This morning, the teen charged with killing two men in Wisconsin during the Jacob Blake protests is out of jail. Kyle Rittenhouse posted $2 million bail Friday, coming up with the money with the help of My Pillow founder and Trump supporter Michael Lindell and former Silver Spoons actor Ricky Schroeder schroeder even posing for a photo with rittenhouse after his release rittenhouse still faces numerous charges including first degree homicide he claims he was acting in self-defense
1: his attorney was the apocalyptically insane lynn wood and just a few weeks ago photos of rittenhouse emerged of him at a local bar being serenaded by a local proud boys chapter since then he's vanished and police have no idea where
0: to find Rittenhouse. Also breaking this afternoon, prosecutors want an arrest warrant for Kyle Rittenhouse. They claim Rittenhouse has moved, and now law enforcement can't find him.
1: His disappearance is an affront to the entire concept of equal justice under the law, and people are justifiably outraged. So stay tuned. And now for the main event. Throughout the course of this show, I have mainly spoken with those that shared my same mission, to rid the world of Donald Trump. But now, with the orange-dusted toddler having shuffled off to Palm Beach, a one-term loser, I'm broadening my ideological spectrum. The time has come to speak to the other side. I wanted to do this and not talk to some insane QAnon conspiracist, so my next guest, Adam Carolla seem to be the perfect foil to challenge his MAGA viewpoints without things devolving into violence. I'd like to think that it's still possible to have a reasonable political discussion in 2021. Carolla started his eponymously named podcast in 2012, becoming the most downloaded show in podcast history, making Adam Carolla the King Kong or Howard Stern of the medium. Carolla and fellow comedian Mark Marin and other denizens of the garage studio pioneered the form and took it to new heights. The difference being, Corolla emerged into the Trump era as a new kind of comedian and host, inviting the alt-right provocateur Milo Yiannopoulos onto his show, as well as mainstream Hollywood actors like Brian Cranston. In that sense, he doesn't conform to the basic MAGA stereotype of the angry comedian trapped in a world rife with cancel culture and political correctness. But I also don't know if Carolla thinks the election was stolen, my new litmus for other people's sanity. So I have a million questions for him. These are perilous waters in which I'm about to wade. Carolla is a veteran of thousands of hours of radio, television, and now podcasting. He's a seasoned stand-up who eats hecklers for breakfast. I may have bitten off a little more than I can chew, but there's no backing out. I'm doing this for you to better understand the mind of the magavoda. Adam Carolla will hopefully explain it to me. So let's listen now to that conversation. So we're here now for the second half of the what I'm calling the Maya Carolla episode. Here, um, the first half, of course, was on uh, Adam Carolla's hit podcast. And now we're going to finish up. Now, my platform is a little different than yours, Adam. You know, we actually talk about politics. We talk about um, things that are going on in current events, so to speak. So, I, you know, I know we have a limited amount of time, so I really do just want to delve straight into this. Because you're one of the first Trump supporters that I've had on this show. And my goal in talking to you today is really to try to understand the MAGA point of view from someone who doesn't believe in lizard people or Jewish space lasers. Talk to me for a moment and my listeners, what was so appealing to you about Donald Trump as a president? And would you vote for him again a second time, even after what happened on January
0: 6th? I do believe in Jewish space lasers, so (laughs) just a quick correction. Um, I am less a Trump fan than I am a kind of a left Biden hater. I don't I don't like the left. I grew up. I'm, see, I see I live in California. I'm surrounded by the left. I've lived in this state my entire life and I've seen it destroyed. Essentially, it's almost non livable. Almost everyone I know lives in California is talking about moving out. And it's not because anything changed other than the politics. So for me, It's, I think there's two types of voters in this world. There are people that are voting for. Someone like Trump, and then there's someone who's voting against someone like Hillary Clinton. And for me, I'm voting, I'm voting against Hillary Clinton. Okay, I, I get that. But you really do believe in Jewish space lasers. <laughs> now I'm only. Uh, well, there's Christian space lasers. They, they come in all denominations. <laughs> do they compete with one another? It's really on 47th Street, which I'm just not so
1: sure. Now, Adam, so much <laughs> of the way news gets consumed today and spread is based on rage. That's how I see it. It's really based on rage. We click on what makes us most angry first, and then the algorithms you know, adjust uh, how the news is disseminated accordingly. Now, after a while, each person with their smartphone is inside their own personal rage space. It's gotten to the point that Twitter and Facebook are so divisive and polarizing that we're beginning to actually hate one another. How do you think that we tone down the volume of this rage, both right and left, so that people like you and I can actually speak to one another like normal human beings and
0: intelligently? You know, I think there, first things first, we need to get back to the golden rule. The golden rule was a great rule that sort of kept society in check. You know, it's it's like do unto others as you've had done to yourself. And if you don't want... uh if you wouldn't like it, if your neighbor's dog took a poop on your lawn and didn't clean it up, then you in turn could not let your dog take a poop on the neighbor's lawn. You know, it's a very basic concept, the golden rule, but yeah, if, if you don't want to be called a racist, then don't call anyone else a racist. Or if you don't want to uh, act this way or be called that, then you, you shouldn't do it as well. So first, a, a, just a general basic sort of golden rule, number one, number two, we have to get we have to get away from the crazy narcissism that we're now all ensconced in, which is not everything revolves around you, not everything is a personal attack. Not every piece of news is an attack on you or has anything to do with you, and then we have to get rid of this kind of tribalism, whereas you know I got my team. And if my team, if the star running back on my team rapes his girlfriend, he's fine. I'm not going to judge. That's great. If, if your star running back rapes his girlfriend, I want him put in jail for a thousand years. You know, that, that basically distills down to where we're at. If, uh, if your star running back rapes his girlfriend, he should go to jail. And if your other team star running back rapes his girlfriend, he should be put in jail as well. And that's how you should think. Well,
1: yeah, but don't forget, you know, we do have the right and we do have the far left. I do believe that it's really the far right and the far left that are promoting this divisive sort of behavior and the attacks that people have against one another. I mean, I've seen videos and they're obviously real because, you know, kids are getting beaten up simply because they're wearing a MAGA hat or simply because they got confronted by a group of MAGA supporters. And they were wearing a Biden-Harris 2020 shirt. I mean, could you imagine you have to now be in fear for your life simply because of the shirt that you're choosing to wear, whether or not it's political or whether it's just a regular, you know, um, shirt by some tennis company?
0: I know. We're now – we've all been initiated into either the Crips or the Bloods. It's like literally – if you talk to guys who grew up in South Central and Compton, they would tell you, you can't wear a red shirt and walk down that street. That's, crip, that's a crip street. You'll get beat up. And you couldn't wear a blue shirt and walk down the blood street. You'll get beat up. We're kind of getting there. Is a nation, like one big gang initiation.
1: You know, it's funny. When I was in prison, when I was in Otisville and I first arrived there, I was a self-surrender. Um, they met me at the door. They took me downstairs to check in. And I was wearing one of those uh, red strings that you wear around your wrist that was given to me by a rabbi. You know, that's supposed to give you luck. It's, um, for, it's Kabbalah. Right. Right. They made me. I think Madonna has. Yes. Those, many people. Right? Many people have them. Um, especially those of us with Jewish space lasers. Mm -hmm. But uh, they actually cut it off me, and they said, it's color, you're not allowed to have it. So I think I fully understand your point about the Crips and the Bloods. I understand it from a personal perspective. But, Adam, let me ask you, right-wing provocateur and former Breitbart writer Milo Yiannopoulos, he used to be a frequent guest on your show. And from about 2014 through 2017, he was literally everywhere in the fights happening between the social justice left and the activist right. But then he lost his mind and he came out in favor of pedophilia and pretty much disappeared as everyone dropped him. Discuss with me, if you would, what you found appealing about Milo before he went absolutely batshit crazy and what
0: made you decide to no longer book him. Was it Brian Cranston? Hmm. Well, the thing about... You know, it's funny because you say a frequent guest on the show. And and people say that to me all the time. They go, you have Dinesh D'Souza on all the time. Uh, I've been doing, I've done 3,000. I'm coming up on 3,000 podcasts. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza has been on two. (laughs) Uh, Milo Yiannopoulos has probably been on three. Um, So this notion of like, uh, how could you square that math? He's a frequent guest of 3000 podcasts, but he's been on three times. So, or (laughs) Dinesh, like these guys. So the left always goes out of the fucking mind. They're like, this guy's always on. I've had many, many more people from the left, many more progressive people. First off, Hollywood comedians, actors, they're much more progressive than obviously Dinesh D'Souza would be. So in, by by and large, I would end up having many more progressive people than I would have what you'd call right wing people or, or you know, Dinesh or uh, uh, Yiannopoulos or something like that. The point is this. It is unacceptable to the left to have Dinesh D'Souza on. Dinesh D'Souza doesn't give a fuck how many progressives are on my show, but the left cares and the left punishes. So the left thinks it's their job to police my show. The right thinks it's their job to get the fuck on with their life. So that's how I would answer that question. I'm not sure why the left won't permit other viewpoints on my program, but they won't. They don't want it. They don't like it. They'll boycott it. The right, there's no such thing. Tucker Carlson's been on this show. Dinesh D'Souza—they have no opinions on whether someone from the left comes on this show. Zero. But the people from the left who are all free speech and never stop fucking talking about McCarthyism—they want the show shut down because someone they disagree with came on the show. So who's the trouble coming from? The right or the left? It's
1: coming from anybody that wants to inhibit free speech. That's my opinion.
0: That's the left. Well, nobody on the right has ever told me who to have on my show. Only people from the left. So it's coming from the left. Let's just call it what it is. Well, let me
1: debate you on that one, because I was remanded back to prison by President Trump and Bill Barr because I failed and I refused to sign a document that would prohibit me from writing a book and from going on television and from speaking. So that sounds to me like a First Amendment free speech violation. So I would say that it's, once again, it's the far left and the far right. You see, the far left wants to shut down all the free speech from the far right. But the far right wants to do the same to the far left. It's everybody in the center that is you and I that can have an intelligent,
0: normal conversation. I I agree with that, except for the left owns popular culture. And that's the difference. They... They have the popular culture. Yes, but Adam, the right, people like Rupert
1: Murdoch own all the media. So, you know, where it's, it's, a, it's a give
0: and take on both sides. I mean, you know. But if if, if, 19, if 18 or 19 out of the top 20 media outlets are left-leaning, then how can you say Rupert Murdoch controls them?
1: Well, Rupert Murdoch controls all of Fox. He controls the New York Post. He oh, that's controls- Fox. Right. He controls. Right. But then there's,
0: but then there's 18 other major media outlets that aren't controlled by Rupert Murdoch. Well, you don't think, for example, that ABC is either left or right, do you? I think almost all of the mainstream stuff leans to the left. Some are more obviously CNN and MSNBC are farther left than ABC, but they lean, they lean that way. I think all of culture leans that way. I think the NBA leans that way. Hollywood leans that way. What direction does LeBron James lean? I mean, what direction does the Academy, uh, the Oscars lean? I mean, I think they all lean. I live in this town. They all lean that way. Some are, you know, some are not as strident as others, but I think they lean that way. I, mean, I think that's culture. That's popular culture. Yeah, I'll, I'll see to your to your belief system on that. Is there is there a, a you know, name the famous actor who's a strident right winger. You can do it on one hand.
1: Well, sure. Um Angelina Jolie's father, uh what what's his name? Um John, John Voight. Uh, yeah, but you can't right? even think of his name. Well, that's and I happen to know him. I've spent thousands of hours that I'm just blanking. Uh then on I mean I could name I could name half a dozen. Um I mean I, I really uh, you can. could
0: name six, but I could name sixty six prominent A listers who are hard hard to the left and and then you get into the world of sports and then you get into music. I mean, they control that world, that's fine, but it, it should be agreed on. Paul Sorvino is another one, uh, obviously Clint
1: Eastwood. I mean, there are plenty of, um, you know, of celebrities that are
0: right-wingers. But forgive me, Michael, your argument is the same with the news outlets. Yes, there is Fox, and there's a Wall Street Journal, and then there's a hundred other left-leaning outlets, and it's sort of the same with celebrities. Yeah, you can find examples, but then the lion's share to the left i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm just saying that's the culture and i'll and i'll accept that i think you're probably right now, and if you don't if you don't believe me you come to if you're in hollywood and you speak out and you're on the right you'll get blackballed so how could the culture be to the right or even down the middle it's got to be the left otherwise they wouldn't blackball you no i'll be there soon as soon as they start to
1: make my book into a movie <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, in the process right now Trips to the post office? Probably not how you want to spend your time. Stamps.com, mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. Adams used Stamps.com for over 11 years to send out merchandise, books, and paperwork. So whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping products, or a giant warehouse shipping thousands of packages, Stamps.com lets you buy and print U.S. postage for any letter or any package 24-7 at home, up to 40% off.
0: Let me say this. These guys have been with us for over a decade. We ship everything out via Stamps.com, and it is so much easier than going to the post office. Sorry, continue. Well, that's actually
1: true because being on home confinement, I'm not allowed out, so I use Stamps.com as well in order to send out packages, returns. God knows my kids with Amazon. Yeah, I send it out with Stamps.com. But you get up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. Now, there's a special offer, a four-week trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Adam. Stamps.com. Enter Adam. You know, you you did a documentary called No Safe Spaces, which you made with Dennis Prager. And it looks critically at so-called university safe spaces and cancel culture. I'm curious what you consider cancel culture and what you consider reasonable. Like, does stripping the QAnon lunatic Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene of her committee assignments count as cancel culture to you? Or should someone who advocated for the execution of the House Speaker and believes that Jewish space lasers started forest fires and school shootings are staged not sit on the House Education Committee?
0: Wouldn't that sound reasonable? Yes, that sounds reasonable to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a few, uh, there's a, yeah, but the problem with that is then you start going the other direction with it and you get the Ilhan Omar and other names on the left who could, you could make a pretty good argument. There's a fair bit, bit of antisemitism coming out of the squad. And then you could also argue that they shouldn't be on, uh, on committees either, but I agree. She's a nut job. I get rid of her. I'm not gonna, not gonna defend her.
1: I mean, and yet she sits on the House Education Committee. I just find that to be so funny. But just- a,
0: "Look, but, but no, no." But here's the thing, Michael. Everyone knows who AOC is. She's nuts. This other chick, I know the left builds her up like she's the Pied Piper of the Republican Party. Nobody likes her. No one's even fucking heard of her until 10 seconds ago. This is a construct of the left. They've created this person who's a zero. Nobody likes her. Nobody's a fan of hers. No one listens to her. And no one even heard her name until five minutes ago. Now, all of a sudden, she's the leader of the Republican Party. That's disingenuous. right? And by the way, what bothered
1: me about this whole thing, too, is how fast everybody is to just basically say, It's time to get rid of them. They have to resign, resign. Like what they did to Al Franken. If I was Al Franken, if I was Al Franken's personal fixer, like I was to Trump, I would have told him to go scratch their ass in Macy's window because we're not going anywhere. All
0: right? Just so you understand that. Al Franken should have never resigned.
1: He should never. He should have never have resigned. He didn't even do anything. He made a joke. Compared to what's going on here? I mean, it's talking about, the murder of the House speaker and the vice president and the yelling and the screaming and the lasers and the, all the nuttiness, that, that's something that you should maybe say, hey, that person needs out of here because they don't represent either the left or the right. They just represent the loony bin, right? But Al Franken never should have left. And, and it always bothered me,
0: whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, you know, could he have been admonished? I always defended Al Franken. That was insane. He didn't do anything. He made a joke. That's a stupid he should have never resigned.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, there was there are many around. there are many things that he could have done in order to apologize and so on, but
0: resignation from you know your congressional seat to me just seemed to be so But here's the problem. If you're trying to build this big case, this big Me Too movement case and everyone on the other side of the aisle is uh is is gonna get caught up in a Me Too. Then when it happens to your guy, you got to throw him under the bus because you're you're building the case. I mean, he got thrown under the bus because they're building this Me Too case and they can't do it with Al Franken, although I would argue they could have. But he's got to go. That's that's the problem with a lot of these movements ends up chewing up and spitting out a lot of a lot of folks that weren't involved with these cases or these allegations or these crimes. It it eats its own. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that his
1: rose to the level of the Me Too. I think those people that actually take advantage and that they belonged as people who should be admonished by a Me Too movement, uh, they should. But I just ne- like you, I just never understood his his case was not
0: in my opinion. His case didn't rise to almost any level. I'm just saying, if you're going to be the one who's talking about Me Too movement and then someone in your camp is being accused of it, you got to get rid of them. Yep. Yeah, yep, That's what I'm
1: saying. Well, and I agree with you on that. Well, last night, Newsmax anchor Bob Sellers literally walked off the set of his own show rather than listen to the blathering of my pillow founder, Mike Lindell, over his baseless election conspiracies around Dominion voting systems. I'm curious to know first, um first off, if you buy into any of Lindell's election theories, and second, have you ever used
0: one of his pillows? I think I have. I think it was given to me. Uh, I don't know much about I know Mike Lindell's story. I know he was a drug addict and then he became born again Christian and he got sober and started his my pillow company. I don't know much about the specifics of his uh, election claims. Um, my feeling is he should be able to say whatever he wants about the election. We should be free to not listen to what he says about the election and or buy his pillow, if in fact we want his pillow that's uh that's the world I'd like to live in yeah, I understand that,
1: and I also agree, and like the way I would have handled it, and I applaud them there the company that has the voting machines is now suing um many different people, including Mike Lindell. Um, I think it's like three billion dollars. They just announced another lawsuit. Um, And good for them. You know what? It's a defamation case. And I truly believe in I truly believe in it. You have the right to say whatever you want, but you also have the right to get your ass sued for saying it. If, in fact, you know that it's inaccurate. I mean, what's the point to to try to overthrow the electoral system that's our democracy it's the complete basis for our democracy and you may remember when i stood before the house oversight committee i stood up and i said one of the reasons that i'm here is i truly believe that if donald trump loses the election in 2020 that there will never be a peaceful transfer of power and that's because donald trump never really wanted to have to run again he wanted to be made king He wanted to be made the autocrat. He legitimately wants to be like Vladimir Putin or Kim Jong-un. That's who he wants to be. Now, he doesn't have to want to run again now. And then if he would have won, the first thing that he would be doing is trying to figure out how to get four or eight more years thereafter. That's just really who he is. And that's what he legitimately wanted. And that's what I was afraid of.
0: Well, I'm with you in that if you want to... If you want to make your case about uh, why the equipment is corrupt, uh, you may. And then also you may get sued by whoever manufactures the voting equipment (laughs) for slander or libel or whatever it is. So I I agree with you on both, both counts. Well, today on Twitter, you posted an open
1: call to talk with followers of QAnon. Is there any part of their conspiratorial belief system that you find valid or appeals to you? What made you decide that you wanted to speak to some of these people?
0: I was doing a podcast with Dr. Drew and we're bringing up QAnon and he admitted he didn't know what it was. And I explained I didn't know what it was either other than things I'd heard. But I didn't really know what it was. I honestly didn't know what it was. So we put out a tweet that said... uh, If you know what it is or you're involved with it or you can tell us what it is, then call up the show. And uh, sure enough, we got about seven, eight calls of people trying in layman's terms, because I don't know anything about computers, as best we could to explain to us what QAnon was.
1: Interesting. And did anything about any of the information that they provided to you on your podcast, did any of it um, sort of appeal to you? Um, and if it didn't appeal to you, why?
0: Well, I wasn't interested in the specifics of what was on QAnon. I was interested in what QAnon was. I didn't physically know if it was an organization or a group, or there was a membership. Like, I really didn't know anything about it. I, I, I'm not, and I evidently, Doctor Drew isn't sophisticated. <laughs> Enough either. So I wasn't really asking what they what their causes were. I was more like, what physically is it if it is something? And as it turns out, as it was described to us, it was basically Reddit, essentially, with a bunch of crazy th- conspiracy theories. Yeah, and some of
1: their theories are just... Beyond out of control.
0: Yeah, but let me let me ask this: Why the fuck are smart people freaked out over this guy? Says Hil- Hillary Clinton sunk the the Lusitania. Who gives a shit? Are we that gullible? Are we that stupid? Like, what are we buying all this shit for? It's insane. These are nut jobs. Yeah, and there's always nut
1: jobs. And they're the same nut jobs who are part of the group of nut jobs that decided to storm the Capitol for a coup based upon the dog whistle blowing of our former president. I mean, that's who he's appealing to. So I think that's why QAnon is even
0: in the conversation. Do you think that was an organized attempt to overthrow the government? Oh, I think it was one it was a bunch of fat yahoos like taking pictures and stuff. What? What? That didn't seem very organized. They were.
1: There were a bunch of them there with AR-16s. They were there with bombs. They were there with zip ties. That was. It was organized. This. Ten thousand plus people don't just show up at a location at the exact same time because it's disorganized.
0: Well, what was their plan? What was their plan? What did they do? Because I'm saying, how did they execute their plan? They basically overpowered the number of people that were there
1: guarding the Capitol, and they stormed it, breaking down breaking down doors, looking for our representatives. In one respect, to kill. Um, Nancy Pelosi to kill Mike Pence. They wanted to take them hostage. Who the hell knows what the hell they were going to do? No different than what they were doing in Michigan when they stormed the Capitol trying to kill the governor.
0: I mean, this is out of control. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying I don't feel like that was a legitimate insurrection. It sounded like an out of control mob with some planning and some nefarious types, but half of them just seemed like they were just along for the ride. I I don't feel like that was an actual, I I don't think we should have felt that this was an actual attempt to overtake the government of the United States. And if it was, it was not well-prepared or conceived. Adam, they killed an officer. They wounded
1: something like 58 or 60 more. I mean, you know, we see this, you know, this officer laying in the Capitol in the rotunda. I mean, this is, this is an insurrection, and now you may call it a mob. Uh, I'll just use a different adjective and call it an insurrection. These people, had, they were there for a plan, and I wonder what would have happened had the members of, our, um, of the House not been successfully um, moved from their, from their chamber down you know into that into that um safety area and escorted out of the property i really wonder what would have happened because many of them really did look beyond crazy yelling and screaming at themselves climbing up and down the walls i mean they were they were looking to do damage and obviously the loss of life
0: was not not something that they cared much about and now i i agree they're horrible uh, disdainful people And I'm not defending them. I'm saying I don't know. I don't feel like it. Rate. I don't feel. I know it's called an insurrection. I don't know if it gets to that level. Okay. For me, they just. But yes, tragedy shouldn't have been there. Don't condone it. But it just. I know we're turning it into an insurrection. I don't know about that.
1: Okay. Well, I found a recent tweet that you wrote particularly funny. I mean, you are a comedian, and it stated. No one has more range in the pardon department than Trump, little Wayne and Steve Bannon. Every American falls somewhere between those two guys. Discuss with me where you think you fall in that spectrum.
0: Wow. Well, obviously in between those two guys, since all of America <laughs> lands in between, lands in between those two guys. Jeez, uh, that's weird. Because I've heard Steve Bannon is like the worst human being on the planet. I will attest to that. Uh, But I also don't in any way resemble Little Wayne either. Maybe I'm just smack dab on the Mason-Dixon line between Steve Bannon and Little Wayne. Maybe I'm I'm, I'm right in the middle. Maybe I got one foot straddled in Steve Bannon territory and one foot straddled in Little Wayne territory.
1: Yeah, I think I fall somewhere in between that as well, though the chance of me getting a pardon from Donald Trump (laughs) is as good as, I don't know, a satellite falling and landing on my head. Right. Um, I mean, that's just not a possibility. By the way, speaking of pardons, what's your take on all of these on all these pardons? And, you know, I made a statement on I think it was MSNBC with Alex Witt. I turned around and said, I truly believe knowing Donald Trump the way I know him that he has a whole series of pocket pardons that he's holding on to right now because based upon what I've been able to uncover and this is not my area of law or my really my area of knowledge but you do not have to notify the public on who's receiving a pardon. Now, you do end up knowing because the person gets out of prison. And for some reason, when it goes through the pardon office, they do actually publish a list. But the president is not obligated to do that. So my feeling is, knowing Donald Trump, when he has a get-out-of-jail-free card, even though, of course, it only affects federal cases, not state cases, I don't see Donald Trump walking out of any building least of all the White House, without having a pardon sitting in his pocket for himself, for Rudy, for Don Jr., for Ivanka, for Jared, and a whole slew of other, of really, that I like to call criminals.
0: What's your take on that? Well, obviously, I'm not as learned as you on that subject because I'm just a humble carpenter from North Hollywood. But uh, I'm sure if it's nefarious and it is to his advantage and it makes sense and if you thought of it, someone else thought of it, too, and told him. So I, I, I agree with your assessment. Yeah, I, I really, truly believe it. And I believe that just as soon as one of these indictments comes
1: down, then they just go right into their breast pocket. They pull out an envelope, timestamp, signed, sealed, delivered. And lo and behold, that's, that's it. There goes, you know, there goes that federal indictment. Now, Adam, I, there's a question that I ask virtually all of my guests is where they were. When the Capitol was stormed by the MAGA insurrectionists or the mob, as you like to call them. My belief is that this day will live on in history and people will remember where they were when that mob breached the gates and invaded the building. So what was going on with you when
0: you saw the news and did it affect you in any way? Um, I don't know where I was. And I was probably sitting in the studio working. So I probably didn't hear about it until later on. Uh, that night, and no, I'm not as moved by it as as many Americans are trying to convince me to be. I understand. Uh, again, I, I think there's a difference between condoning something or pretending like something didn't happen. I'm not in that camp at all. It was uh, these are crimes. Uh, I would never condone it. There's loss of life. Always a tragedy. So in no way, shape or form do I condone that. Uh, I just don't raise it to the level of insurrection. But to me, I think if you look up a definition of insurrection, I don't think it meets that standard. But um, it doesn't mean I any way, shape or form uh, condone it. But no, I I don't I don't treat it like when Kennedy was assassinated or Martin Luther King was assassinated. I I don't have that. Where were you? When? Uh, I was probably not around a TV or a radio. I was probably sitting in my studio, and that's why I didn't get any real-time anything on it.
1: Yeah, because for me, you know, I worked in the Capitol in 1987 and 1988 when I worked for Congressman Joe Moakley of Massachusetts. And then, of course, i have gone back to the Capitol many times, including when I would go to visit um, President Trump uh, in, the, in the White House. There's something very majestic about that building. It's the architecture, the structure itself, what it actually represents. And that's just me. It's how I feel in my heart about that building. It's like a museum. And watching, for example, a guy dressed as Chewbacca in a bikini, screaming, uh, feces being thrown against the walls or the breaking of the statues or the breaking of the doors trying to you know find somebody to god knows what they were intending to do i just find it it's i i see the building as american democracy that's just what i see the building is standing for
0: well and, i i agree i agree with everything but chewbacca and a bikini is kind of my argument for not an insurrection
1: well one could say you know when Mel Gibson in the movie, all right, Braveheart, you know, painted his face half blue, half red, and so on. You know, people dress differently, I guess, for insurrections. I don't know. I mean, it certainly wasn't an insurrection of accountants coming in in three-piece suits with an Hermes tie. That I can assure you, right? I mean, you know, these, these people came. As a group, in order to do damage, and I remember exactly where I was, no different than when I'm I- not.
0: I'm not arguing about doing damage at all. I'm just saying I don't know the the word insurrection. I feel like has been foisted on everybody, and I'm just I don't feel like it it rises to that uh, definition of it. But you know.
1: Well, everybody, look, everybody's entitled to see that's what I was trying to say at the beginning of this, of our episode, that you and I can have an intelligent conversation and we can differ in our opinions without being angry at one another. I respect your opinion. You don't want to call it an insurrection, that's your prerogative. I would call it an insurrection, and I believe that that's my prerogative. And I, for for one, believe that I will never forget where I was, what I was doing, and how I felt at that moment. No different than when I was at my accountant's office, and then we heard about the attacks on the um, the World Trade Center. We went up to the roof and watching the buildings disappear, um, you know, as they collapsed. Uh, you know, I'll remember that for the rest of my life as well, because it's just embedded into my brain as just a moment in time that was so out of reality for me. And it's just it's just disappointing. That's that's all. That, that's the reason why I asked. Well, I remember where I was for that one.
0: That's for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, as we're closing down, I have just like really two more questions for you. On January 29th, you replied true to the following tweet from Conway West. Ten years ago, being called a racist or white supremacist was a serious slight. Now it is so watered down by the left that it's just a meaningless, a lazy way to stifle the opposition. Discuss this with me and my listeners as I'm curious what your definition of racism would be and how it's being
0: misconstrued by the left. Well, racism to me is something that you need to act on. I'm not sure what's in everyone's heart and what's in everyone's soul. We've all become mind readers where we've decided everyone's a racist, even if they've never actually done anything to any other race. So to me, not much different than an arsonist. Uh, If you're an arsonist, you got to strike a match. You got to burn down a building. I can't just decide you're an arsonist in your soul. So maybe you're an arsonist. Maybe we're all arsonists. But if you never light a fire... Then I don't care. And uh, you can't call tons and tons of people racist who don't actually do anything to other races. That's uh, lazy. That's um, you trying to win an argument without intellectually being able to win the argument. So this ad hominem stuff is ridiculous. And you can't keep calling everyone a racist and expect it to mean anything you can't just call everyone racist all the time and expect it to have the same power that it had 20 years ago. When you called someone a racist, that was a big deal. Now everyone's being called a racist. So my point is, is save it for when it counts and find actual acts of racism and then call that person a racist. Stop calling everyone who disagrees with you a racist. Sure. I agree with that. And Give me an example of a
1: moment that somebody deserves to be called a racist. Well, if you engage in a racist act. But give me one give me one with, with some specificity in terms of would you say
0: Donald Trump is a racist? I have no idea whether he's a racist or not.
1: Who would you say from all those that are in politics that you've seen, whether it's on television or have knowledge of that you would say has done something that one would say is
0: is racist that would fall within your definition? um was steve king probably got uh, in trouble a couple of years ago for talking about what's wrong with white nationalism or something like that i think that might come close to the definition of racism uh, ilhan omar you know she's an anti-semite so she says plenty of you know, plenty of the girls in the are would call anti-semitic so i would say that would be racist no one's interested in them. Steve Bannon? I don't know what Steve Bannon says. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not familiar. I'm. I'm sure he is. I don't know him. I mean, I don't. I don't know what his comments say. What about Stephen Miller? I don't know. I'm not familiar with their quotes or their comments. So you'd have to tell me, and then I would tell <laughs> can you. Can we? Can we at least
1: agree on David Duke? <laughs> we can agree on David Duke. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. So, just fine, final question: What do you think was Donald Trump's greatest? um failure as president and what do you think was his greatest
0: gift to the united states uh, his greatest failure is probably should have stayed off of social media should have uh listened to more people around him should have been less self-assured and you know played a little closer to the vest and you know, I, w- I would say I'm looking at it from a political standpoint, but I would have stayed off the Twitter and uh, got a few experts around me and listened to them and uh, not not made as many uh, proclamations and not 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 been as schizoid as he was. Uh, greatest accomplishments, probably Middle East stuff, some of the Middle East peace stuff, moving the embassy to Jerusalem and things like that. Probably some of the Middle East peace agreements.
1: Interesting. And what about, I mean, I would say one of his better accomplishments that people obviously talk about was one of the reasons that he still has that strong base and how he ended up with 70 million supporters, or I should say votes, was his... um, Dealing with taxes, right? The reduction of the corporate tax from 35 to 21. Yeah,
0: taxes and some general business friendly and, re, you know, bringing down reducing regulation and stuff like that. That's probably probably one of his accomplishments.
1: But, But failures, unfortunately, in my opinion – have just been so many more. You know, it's very, I I talk about this all the time. You know, many years ago, we had a mayor here in New York, Ed Koch, the famous mayor, Ed Koch. And Ed Koch used to say to people, if you agree with me, I think it's six out of 12 times. I hope I'm saying it right. But if you agree with me six out of 12 times in my policy, you should vote for me. And if you agree with me 12 out of 12 times, you should see a psychiatrist. You know, the problem that I find is that, right? The problem is that Nobody should ever agree with anybody 12 out of 12 times. It's just it's not realistic. You don't agree with your spouse 12 out of 12 times. You don't agree with your kids. You don't agree with your best friend in the world 12 out of 12 times. But if you agree with them on things that are substantive and important to you, well, that's the person that you should vote for. But if you're doing it simply because your 401k is up and you're afraid that Joe Biden and the Democrats are going to take away your money, which is just not true, um, you know, then that's You're really voting for somebody for the wrong reason. That's just how I see it. But then again, we start talking about the failures and the multitude of failures that existed in this administration. Charlottesville. Would you say that that's a failure?
0: The way he behaved? His comments? Yes, his comments. No, his comments. If you want to go back and look at his comments, he said good people on both sides. He was talking about the people that were marching, the people that were tearing down the statues. That was cooked by the media. You can watch CNN, CNN. They had anchors on CNN at the time saying that wasn't what it was. That just took off.
1: We're talking about the people that were yelling, Jews will not replace us. Right. Reminiscent of Nazi Germany. You know, my father, I'm, I'm my, talking my father, about his,
0: I'm talking about, I'm talking. Don't start playing that. Well, my card. father's a Holocaust I'm survivor. Good, so it really, good. my grandfather me. was a Holocaust survivor. Fine. We're even. Can we move on? We can. Can we finish this discussion? Good people on both sides. That was taken out of context. Okay, what about George Floyd? All right, listen, I gotta go, Michael. C- I'm not gonna sit here. I'm just, and bring I'm up just horrific. I'm just you I'm just bring basement. up horrific acts and then see if I condone them or not. No, not condone
1: them. I'm just talking about the distinction between his accomplishments and his failures. That's it.
0: Okay, it's a failure. Fine, George Floyd, bad. That's, that's all I want. Nazis, bad. <laughs> Holocaust, bad. Concentration camps, bad. These are all bad things. I don't condone bad things. Oh, then we're on the same exact These page. These are bad.
1: And I, I really do, yes, I and I really do appreciate you, and I appreciate <laughs> your time. And this isn't a test about you. This was merely just my trying to discuss the distinction between the accomplishments and the, and the failures, unfortunately, under this I administration. Because I truly did believe— And I was a tremendous, tremendous supporter. I started the campaign. So I am Dr. Frankenstein in creating this monster. And he was not supposed to be this type of person. Now, he could be that type of person at the Trump board, but he wasn't supposed to be this. He was supposed to rise to a different level as the president. I mean, he's the most powerful person in the world. And so at the end of the day, that's all I, that's all I was trying to get out of it. This is not a attestation to you in any way, shape. You're a good guy. And, you know, I certainly, I remember you from the celebrity apprentice. I remember, you know, hanging out in the back room when everybody was sort of um, in between tasks and so on. And you were actually, you were very funny and, you know, we all were just sitting there, you know, eating and sort of doing nothing, which (laughs) was unfortunately a lot. You know, so Adam, it was really great to have you on my show. Uh, I hope everybody gets a chance listen to Adam Carolla's show for the first half of the program, and then, of course, Mea Culpa for the second half, uh, which, of course, you're all listening to if you're listening to me speak right now. So, Adam, again, I want to thank you for
0: your time and thank you for everything. Thanks, Michael. That was fun or interesting or both. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, man. And now for
1: today's Mea Culpa. This election was so fraught with division and anger that I know several people who have lost lifelong friendships and stopped speaking to family members. Our side thinks their side has lost their goddamn minds, and they think the very same of us. In this new political paradigm, information is driven by social media and the 24-hour outrage machine. Analytics show that we respond to the most vitriolic and divisive stories first, So they keep giving us more and more. Is it any wonder that we now inhabit a world of fear and near constant rage? The volume has been turned up on everything. I worry that we now have entered a new state of political being that will be largely driven through acts of rage. It's the final result of what we've been programmed to read and believe. How long until the next attack? I mean, it's obvious this will continue to happen again and again like clockwork until we unplug ourselves from this matrix of rage. I wish we could simply deplatform everyone for a month, just turn off social media completely. The result would be miraculous. The rage would just seep away and we would begin to talk to one another again. But what would we say? What would we talk about? The idea is almost too foreign to imagine, but it's almost a certainty a problem. Social media is killing us, it's dividing us, and it's making us hate each other. It manufactures and distributes rage on an industrial scale. We need to figure out how to remove ourselves from this onslaught or risk a future of chaos and riots. And thanks for listening. Maya Culper is brought to you by LSJ Media and Audio Up, in association with Midas Touch, and it's hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Produced by Audio Up by Jimmy Jelnick and executive producer Jared Gustaf. And it's edited by Tyler Dawson. Please stay tuned as we focus on the changing political moment and this unprecedented transfer of power. I'll be with you every step of the way. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth.
0: This is my mea culpa. When you're expecting, you want the best for your new baby in every way. That's why Chalk partners with new parents to help you keep your child healthy from day one and as they grow. Our primary care network offers more than 20 convenient locations, wellness services for both physical and mental health, and access to an entire children's health